You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. A BC Supreme Court ruling has put an end to the city of Surrey's fight against ride sharing. The court granting Uber an injunction to stop city bylaw officers from unfairly ticketing rideshare drivers. And as Jill Bennett reports, Surrey's mayor now admits it's time for the city to move on. The battle between the city of Surrey and Uber is over and Uber is the winner. Today is a good day for drivers and riders across Metro Vancouver and especially in Surrey. Ride-sharing in BC only started two weeks ago, but in Surrey, Mayor Doug McCallum vowed to keep the companies out. The city sent Uber a letter telling the company to stop operating. It didn't. Then some drivers were hailed by bylaw officers posing as customers who handed them a $500 ticket. The tickets definitely need to be cancelled. They were issued incorrectly. Uh, the judge has spoken. We need to abide with the judge's decision and we need to cancel those tickets. Uber took Surrey to court asking for an injunction to stop the ticketing. The judge granted that Friday morning, ruling, I have found Uber would suffer harm in the form of unquantifiable losses if the injunction is not granted. She also said Surrey was trying to ride two horses at once in requiring Uber drivers to have a business license, but not having that license available. If you live in the Tri-Cities where I live, or if you live in Surrey, uh, even if you live in Vancouver, your transportation is regional, so it's very important for the entire region to work together on a model that works. The mayor responded to the loss in court, saying, Time to move on. We will work with TransLink on the mayor's council's motion on a regional business license to ensure a level playing field between ride-hailing and taxis. They're going to be doing their job, we're going to be doing our job. This taxi driver says since Uber arrived, his earnings have dropped between $70 to $100 a day. He'd like to see a more fair system. We pay like around almost $1,600 a month, insurance-wise. They don't. We have to have accessible wheelchair uh, taxis operating, right? They don't. The city has agreed to stop ticketing rideshare drivers immediately. It's unclear how much it cost Surrey taxpayers to battle Uber in court. Jill Bennett, Global News. The Passenger Transportation Board has given its approval to two more ride-sharing operations, granting licenses to Chinese-language-based Kabu to operate in all regions of the province. Despite only now getting approval, Kabu drivers have been picking up riders around the Lower Mainland for more than two years now. A company called DBA Apt Rides was also granted a license to operate in the Lower Mainland and Whistler. Three other applications were denied. So far, the board has issued decisions on 11 of the 34 applications it received. The estimated cost of the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion has ballooned by more than $7 billion. The project now to come in around $12.6 billion. Keith Baldry breaks down what that new figure includes and how the company's CEO is explaining the additional costs. It is staggering. Uh, that the government's prepared to spend over $16 billion. Always controversial, the Trans Mountain Pipeline expansion project is also getting to be very, very expensive. Long delays in its construction have helped drive up costs by 75%. I hope that Canadians are starting to realize uh, this thing just isn't worth it and we need to cut our losses. What started out as a $7.4 billion project has ballooned in cost to $12.6 billion. Add the $4 billion purchase price and taxpayers are now looking at a $16 billion plus pipeline. Still the owner, the federal government, insists the project remains economically viable. 
I'm confident that there will continue to be significant interest in this project from both uh, Indigenous-led groups and from other groups that are interested in a, in a, in a project that's going to deliver not only a fair price for Canadians, but a, an economically good result. And the company's CEO agrees. I think our experience and our, and our point of project development today is that I've got a high degree of confidence that we can deliver on this schedule. Even at this high cost, the pipeline still enjoys political support in key places. But even its backers acknowledge things could have been handled better. A project like this should be done in two or three years, not 10 or 12 years. It's why we need certainty and a reasonable timeline to get decisions made on major projects. But environmentalists insist that $20 billion can be spent in much better ways. That's a lot of transit. That's a lot of renewable energy. Uh, that's high-speed rail. It's retraining for oil and gas workers. These are all things that we have to do. Uh, there's a lot of work to be done to solve climate change, and we should be spending our money on uh, actually taking advantage of that and preparing our economy for the future. All right, Keith Baldry is live in Victoria. Keith, if the costs continue to rise, is there any chance the feds will walk away from this? Hard to see that happening, Sophie. They've got so much tax dollars invested in this thing. Uh, Peter McCartney says cut the money and run and take your losses, but I just don't see that happening. You heard Bill Morneau in my story, the finance minister, talk about possibly selling the entire project to Indigenous uh, groups. There are two consortiums, at least, who are hoping to buy the pipeline from the federal government. They think it's a moneymaker at the end of the day. So, no, the feds aren't walking away. In fact, there's also the job element here. 2,900 people are working on this project. At its peak in construction, 5,500 people will be employed there. So politically, it would be, I think, fairly uh, dangerous for the Liberals to walk away at this point. All right. Thanks for that. Keith Baldry in Victoria. Several more people have been arrested as a large force of RCMP officers is on the ground removing anti-pipeline blockades near Houston, B.C. The Mounties are enforcing a Supreme Court injunction. Sarah McDonald has some troubling new developments from the scene. With a convoy of trucks on the ground and dispatch in the sky. The presence of RCMP on this polarized swath of Indigenous land is unmistakable, as is the defiant of those refusing to clear the way for construction on a hotly contested pipeline. We're up here on each day because these people are doing the right thing for the right reasons. On Friday, several new arrests and now another criminal investigation for mischief launched involving supporters of the hereditary chiefs of Wet'suwet'en Nation, standing in the way of that $6.6 billion natural gas project and the energy giant lawfully permitted to build it. Well, certainly it's not the outcome we had uh, hoped for or have been working toward. Six people were arrested here on Thursday, just a few kilometers away from the site of those most recent arrests conducted on Friday. Already complicated off for the RCMP compounded by the way that injunction is being enforced. These photos, some of the only documentation of the arrests behind a sweeping so-called exclusion zone, keeping most journalists out. Are those exclusion zones uh, legal? Uh, so as far as any operational decisions that are made by police, their obligation, and I would certainly say as uh, Attorney General, is to work within the law. This was as far as our global news crew was allowed to travel on Friday, escorted to the site where Sabina Dennis was arrested one day prior. Knowing that a raid is happening right now, it keeps us together like we're stronger as a unit. Those felled trees once blocking the crucial access road at the focal point of that injunction now cleared, paving the way for work to resume. That's exactly what they intend to do and that's exactly what we intend to 
resist. Anybody that thinks that this is going to be over in a couple of days is sadly mistaken. With more arrests and your certainty and the eyes of the nation watching at least what it's able to see from a distance. Sarah McDonald, Global News. Well, disobedience continues here in the Lower Mainland. You're looking at a live shot right now from near the port of Vancouver. Clark and Hastings, that blockade in northern B.C. is inspiring a string of rallies and protests like this one, which has also been tying up traffic this afternoon. Global's Brad McLeod has more on the solidarity being shown for the Wet'suwet'en around B.C. and across Canada. An eerie quiet in the capital, not the typical rush hour at this tourist hotspot. It's because a group of protesters blocked the usually busy government street. Later, marching downtown to Douglas Street to stop traffic for several blocks. So the road closures, I'm not a part of our group, but they are here in solidarity with us. There were actually two separate groups taking action today in Victoria. This one would rather be called land defenders, not protesters. Made up of mostly Indigenous activists, they endured very wet weather during their overnight stay on the steps of the legislature. Amazing to see all the youth rising up, not only in Victoria, but all over Canada. We're done with this! Like in Vancouver, late afternoon traffic was stopped downtown at Clark and Hastings. And it's frustrating with the government, what they're trying to do. There was action in Edmonton. This group gathered outside RCMP headquarters in Winnipeg, delaying traffic on Portage Avenue. And hundreds braved the cold in the nation's capital. Canada's busiest rail line was shut down, forcing Via Rail to cancel service between Ottawa, Montreal and Toronto. A Mohawk nation in Ontario set up a blockade, parking a dump truck where the line crosses a road, about 60 kilometres west of Kingston. Back in BC, this Victoria RBC was temporarily shut down. The Royal Bank was targeted because they were hired to sell stakes in the Coastal GasLink pipeline project, which runs through Wet'suwet'en land. Um, because that keeps us safe. The group at the legislature says they aren't going anywhere until the government de-escalates the RCMP response on the Wet'suwet'en. So they'll stay camped out over the weekend. Brad McLeod, Global News, Victoria. Right now, though, the Royal Caribbean and Norwegian Cruise Lines have announced they'll ban or they will ban passengers from their ships with Chinese, Macau or Hong Kong passports because of the ongoing novel coronavirus outbreak. That's as the number of cases continues to rise. Right now, there are four cases in B.C. and 210 people have been tested. In Canada, there are 14 cases in B.C. and Ontario. Worldwide, there are now more than 31,000 cases and at least 722 deaths, the vast majority in China. More than 200 Canadians evacuated from the epicenter of the coronavirus in China are back home tonight and under quarantine. Jennifer Palmer reports. A chilly welcome back home to Canada as Canadians get ready to call Canada's largest air base, CFB Trenton, home for the next 14 days. We're very comfortable. We're bathed. We've got the laundry going. We have everything we need. Diapers. Uh, clothing, uh, gloves, toques, um, jackets, you name it, they have it. 
The long trip home to Canada took place in two planes. One, a Canadian flight with 174 passengers. The other, an American plane with 39 Canadians on board, both stopping at Vancouver International to refuel. No passengers came into the terminal. They were all checked for coronavirus symptoms, cleared and taken to CFB Trenton, where they are quarantined. Officials say two-thirds of Canadians who wanted to return home are here now. The number of Canadians who want to come back obviously is fluctuating. You may remember I said it was about 350 uh, because some people decide uh, to stay. Some people have decided to come with us. Some change their mind. However, one father has volunteered to go into quarantine for two weeks to be with his toddler. Rich Fabich's daughter was in Wuhan with her grandparents. I'm going to take the appropriate precautions, but what do I want to do? It's absolutely see her 14 days sooner. All the passengers will remain on base for two weeks, spending most of their time in their rooms. The mayor says despite some worry, residents are hoping for the best. We're Canada, we're Canadians, and we want people to be treated with respect and dignity. The Canadian government is scheduling a second flight to leave Wuhan on February 10th, arriving at CFB Trenton on the 11th. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Face masks have been in high demand since the coronavirus outbreak, and now hand sanitizer is scarce. You won't find any Purell on the shelves of London Drugs. Alcohol and alcohol swabs also sold out in Metro Vancouver. The drugstore chain ran out two weeks ago and has been unable to restock. Hand sanitizer being snatched up as the coronavirus spreads and products are being resold online at inflated prices. Experts say soap and water is still the best way to protect yourself. Well, actually the best option even without hand sanitizer, is actually using soap and water. That is the most effective way at minimizing your risk of getting sick. Obviously, if you don't have access to soap and water, then obviously a hand sanitizer is the the next best step. But again, unfortunately, at the moment, we can't get any in. A heads up now about some weather warnings, strong winds that could cause problems tonight. Meteorologist Christy Gordon joins us with more. Christy, how bad could it get and who might be affected? Well, we're expecting strong winds throughout the evening hours. Hardest hit regions will be the outer coast of Vancouver Island and near Greater Victoria. Those areas are under a wind warning. This area in yellow is just below warning criteria, and that includes Metro Vancouver. Now, in this area, we may see power outages, but it's less likely. We have seen some power outages near Souk, near, uh, just outside of Victoria, about 2,000 homes without power, and that will likely continue into the evening hours. Here's the strength of the winds that we're expecting across the region. So outer coast up to 90, Greater Victoria 60 to 80, and all other areas below 70. When I come back, I'll show you when we can expect the strongest winds and when you can expect the sunshine this weekend. Two Vancouver men have been arrested and charged in connection with a 2019 homicide. 26-year-old Sheikh Hussein is charged with one count of second-degree murder, and 24-year-old Trent Harper is facing one count of manslaughter in the death of 43-year-old Faisal Mohammed. Mohammed was stabbed near Hastings in Maine on the downtown east side last November, but managed to make it all the way to the West End before collapsing near Robson and Denman. He died in hospital. The trial of the young man accused of murdering a Vancouver couple in their own home dealt today with the crucial defense claim that Rocky Rambo Wei Nam Kam is not guilty of first-degree murder. On the stand, a clinical psychologist who testified the accused may have been operating in a quote, video game consciousness at the time of the killings. 
Two years after Rocky Rambo, Weinam Kam killed the victims, Dr. Edward Shen, a clinical psychologist, spent 11 hours with the accused while he was in custody. Mr. Kam remembered that he killed Mr. and Mrs. Jones. He was not able to give an intent, said Dr. Shen. Perhaps Mr. Kam was operating in a game consciousness. Mr. Kam might have anticipated gaming consequences instead of real consequences. Cam had been consumed by violent video games for much of his life. Dr. Shen told the court, Cam told him he was shocked when Diana Ma Jones screamed and Cam didn't know what to do because characters in the video game don't scream. Another example, Dr. Shen said Cam couldn't explain why he stabbed Richard Jones over a hundred times because in a game, when you hit a person, a person dies. And if they don't, you keep hitting the button. Maybe today you're not ready to talk about the whole ugly story, but at least say you're sorry. For what? For what? You're an animal. Dr. Shen testified he did not see any of the evidence before his first interview with the accused in September 2019. He felt no remorse. He felt no anxiety. He could not give an explanation why he didn't feel these feelings, the doctor told the court. Under cross-examination, Crown argued Dr. Shen has no training in forensic interview techniques and no professional experience in interviewing people who claim to have gaming consciousness. Dr. Shen's testimony about Cam's mental state is voir dire evidence. Madam Justice Giroux will decide if it will be admissible in the trial proper. Romina Dea, Global News. The U.S. National Transportation Safety Board has released its initial report on the helicopter crash that killed Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and seven others. The NTSB says it appears the pilot was trying to climb out of low cloud at the time, and he almost made it. Tonight, the NTSB is releasing new photographs taken by people on the ground seconds before the fatal crash of low cloud cover, then the chopper disappearing into the clouds. Helicopter 2 Echo Extra with you for the special VFR transition. We are currently at 1400. While pilot Ara Zabayan was flying under strict visual flight rules, the NTSB says he advised controllers he was climbing up through the clouds to escape them. The cloud tops were at 2,400 feet. He almost made it. The chopper reached 2,300 feet before suddenly banking into a hard left turn and crashing at 180 miles per hour. The left bank which is increasing and the descent rate um, may very well be in, uh, indicators of spatial disorientation. That's certainly what the investigators are going to look at. Witness Scott Dalen told us he heard the chopper fly right over his head, then crash into the hill. I heard the helicopter approaching him going, what in the world is a helicopter flying it because we're below minimums, there's no visibility. It was just nothing but cloud and Correct. fog. Correct. The NTSB today says there was no evidence of a mechanical failure. The helicopter's engines and rotor blades appear to have been working normally. Meanwhile, Southern California is preparing to remember the crash victims. Monday, John, Carrie, and Alyssa Altabelli, who were friends of the Bryants aboard the chopper, will be memorialized at Angel Stadium in Anaheim. And today, Vanessa Bryant announced a celebration of life for Kobe and Gianna to be held in the house that Kobe built, the Staples Center in Los Angeles. The date? 
February 24th, 2-24, for Gianna and Kobe's jersey numbers. The harshest sentence handed out yet today for a parent caught up in the U.S. college admissions scandal. Douglas Hodge, the former CEO of a top investment company, was sentenced to nine months in prison to pay a $750,000 fine and serve 500 hours of community service. Hodge pleaded guilty to paying bribes totaling $850,000 to get four of his children into two universities as fake athletic recruits. Local businessman and philanthropist David Sidhu is also charged in the scandal. He has pleaded not guilty, and his lawyer today said he'll continue to argue his innocence in court. The federal transport minister has ordered freight trains carrying crude oil and other dangerous goods across Canada to slow down after a fiery derailment in Saskatchewan. Feel the heat on the windows. The CP train was carrying crude when it jumped the tracks Thursday morning. 31 tankers derailed and at least a dozen burst into flames. Many continue to burn today. No one was injured, but the local highway was shut down and about 80 people living in a nearby town were evacuated. It's the second time in less than two months that a train carrying crude oil has derailed in that area. A CP train left the tracks December 9th, spilling 1.5 million litres of oil. And some shocking video out of Turkey. Thankfully, everyone is going to be all right. Hard to imagine, though, when you see video of a truck running through a train barrier and before the driver can move out of the way, a train slams right into him, dragging the truck nearly a half kilometer. It's not known why the driver didn't heed the barriers until it was too late. He is in hospital now recovering. Well, 2019 was a record-setting year for heart transplants in B.C., with 31 patients receiving new hearts. Linda Aylesworth has more on a two-day medical marathon that helped achieve that milestone and the reason why there's been a rise in transplants over the last five years. All right, everybody, the heart is en route to the hospital with the paramedics right now. There's been a steady rise in the number of heart transplants being performed in B.C. over the last five years. But last year, a record was set, with 30 patients receiving the life-saving operation, all at St. Paul's Hospital. I first started here 20 years ago. Our number, uh, a dozen, around a dozen transplants happened occurred this, uh, in, in our province. So we are more than double what we had. Among the recipients, Prem Sagar. Last August, on his 68th birthday, he got his second chance at life. But before that, I was not doing good. Huh? Nine years, I was uh, just living, you know, with not a quality life. though. When his heart suddenly became so weak it could no longer sustain him, a heart miraculously became available. And I'll take a 15 blade aortic cannula. His surgery, part of a record-breaking marathon performed by Dr. Anson Chung. Four in 60 hours and it seems like I was the one who got the transplant done first and then after that it was just one after another, three more. <laughs> I'm pumped up, I guess, uh, you know, during that time, and uh, I took, uh, well, I went, fed myself and took cat naps uh, in between, and it works out well, yeah. <laughs> Why the spike in heart transplants? One reason, increased awareness, but also organ availability. The uh, fentanyl overdose crisis we have in our province, that a lot of those donors that we receive are from that particular reason. 
But there are still people waiting, so getting on BC Transplant's organ donor registry is important. Prem's whole family signed up after someone saved his life. So we still require that you, generous uh, people out there, to, to sign up for your donation card uh, and speak to your family, uh, express your wishes. Linda Aylesworth, Global News. Catnap will get you through four heart Al transplants. Almost anything, <laughs> apparently, right? Well, kids across BC have special needs for different reasons. Some are born with genetic conditions, some survive through traumatic accidents, and some are forced to battle life-threatening diseases. Fortunately, when Cole was diagnosed with cancer, Variety was there to help him get back on his feet. I want to play soccer again. I want to run and stuff. I want to be a bodybuilder when I grow up, so I want to exercise my legs lots. Lots of stuff with my legs. I want to do a lot. Yeah. Cole's battle with cancer has left him virtually unable to walk, but Variety knows how badly Cole wants to be able to run and to jump and play. So they funded custom-made leg braces made especially for him. They'll contour to his body, and they're built so that they'll grow with Cole as he develops. For right now, though... These new leg braces will provide hope to Cole so that he may one day stand on his own and walk again. And with your help, we're going to make that happen. The 54th Annual Show of Hearts Telethon is live this Sunday from 9.30 to 5.30 p.m. Tune in, call in, or donate online at variety.bc.ca. We hope you join us. So many ways you can give. You bet. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, Mother Nature putting on an incredible show that only she can in Finland. A spectacular display of northern lights over the country's Lapland region. The sky afire with green, pink and white lights forming those changing patterns. And it's not even prime viewing time there yet. The arrival of spring in March is the best time to see the northern lights because of stronger solar winds in the Arctic Circle. But the, boy, that is still pretty spectacular. Are we sure it wasn't aliens? <laughs> Don't start that conspiracy. <laughs> Somebody will pick up on it. <laughs> A big shock for fire crews in Arizona. Their surprise discovery after a driver crashed into a gas pump right after the forecast. And in that forecast, some wind we heard about uh, mm -hmm. earlier, but we also heard about some sunshine, Christy. That's right. I can't wait to show you this forecast. In fact, we could see, could see five days straight of dry weather. We haven't seen a stretch of weather like that since the beginning of November, everyone. All right. So here's a quick look. Uh, Princeton, this area right through to Karamea is hammered with snow over the last three days. I have reports of about 53 centimeters in that uh, three-day period. This is Coston. So incredible amount of snow and there's more on the way. Another five to 15 is possible in this region before it eases off. Meanwhile, across the south coast a windy wet night that's for sure so the warnings are for greater victoria and outer coast of vancouver island but we're still expecting strong winds 50 to 70 kilometers an hour so we could see some power outages there's still some power outage uh, outages uh, just west of Victoria but uh, for the rest of the region there's a chance but it's unlikely more so what we're watching is the potential for delays in the ferries. The strongest winds will happen anytime between now and about midnight tonight and then overnight the conditions will ease off. Tomorrow lots of sunshine on the way so this low pressure center drops down and away. Still some snow for inland regions through the morning hours but you'll see a clearing late in the, in the day tomorrow as well. This is your tomorrow evening and clear skies 
expected on Sunday as well. Here's the snowfall total. Still that snowfall warning for the Coquihalla. So up to 20, 25 for these regions and then Connector and Rogers Pass a little bit less. See the Sky Highway. We're in the clear tomorrow. The snowfall just mainly overnight. So clear and beautiful tomorrow. We will see a clearing trend late in the day for these regions, but still some snow tomorrow morning for you after the snowfall tonight as well. And a slight chance of showers in through the Fraser Valley tomorrow morning. Otherwise, sunshine. There's that stretch of weather that I wanted to show you. And one last photo from Surrey. This is when we had the snow just a couple of days ago, and now we're talking about sun. Great bear. A snow bear. Snow bear. Very good. All right. Thanks, Christy. Firefighters in Arizona made a surprise discovery when they were called to a vehicle crash. As they were putting out a fire after a truck ran into a gas pump, one firefighter spotted a tail in the smoke. They reached in and they pulled out two puppies. Both suffered minor burns, but they should be okay. Believe it or not, the truck's driver fled the scene, leaving the puppies behind. He was caught and he does face a number of charges, including animal cruelty. Look at those faces. What does that breed you want to again? Pull their you know skin. That, yeah, right? Sharpay. Is it Sharpay? Yeah, that's what Marcia says it is. Producer Marcia says Sharpay, so it must be right. It's pretty cute. Isn't the Sharpay the thing you use on those whiteboards? When you sign autographs. <laughs> Sharpay. Sharpay. <laughs> Thank you. I want to believe golf weather is getting nearer. Well, there's sunshine next week, or Sounds in a few good. days. If you're in California. <laughs> it is. Which is where we're going to go right now. Uh, Abbotsford's Nick Taylor had the lead after one round of the Pebble Beach Pro-Am yesterday, but he did it in secret. No television coverage of his round. It was like he was in the witness protection program. But today, he got in the spotlight and he stayed on the lead after 36 holes. And there he is right there. And there's the ocean of the Pacific behind him. And this is for birdie on number 14. He had a great finish today. Go to the 17th. He's at minus 12. He puts this one in the shadow of the flag. Very nice. Mm. Just like he's done at Ledgeview in Abbotsford so many times. And then on 18th, look at the view behind him. He's not freaked out by that. He's not distracted by it. He puts another birdie in the cup. That's 14 under par. He is being chased by some well-known guys like Phil Mickelson for Eagle. He's at 11 under par. And Jason Day, who had shot of the day here, this is for Eagle as well. But he's not on the green. Doesn't need his putter. 12 under par, two back of Nick Taylor. All right, Christine St. Clair, Victor Montagliani, a couple of BC people celebrating the fact she is now the all-time leading scorer in international soccer. And there's Jordan Heidema, also from BC, Chilliwack. That's the only goal in the game against Costa Rica today at the CONCACAF Olympic qualifying. One, two, three, Tokyo. That's right. Canada's going to Tokyo with that win. They qualify for the Olympic Games. Fort St. John's, Denny Morrison, one of the greatest speed skaters this country has ever produced, is going to retire at the age of 34. He won gold in 2010 at the Richmond Oval in Team Pursuit. This guy was also incredibly resilient. Great recuperative powers came back from numerous injuries, even came back from a stroke that he suffered in 2016. All in all, one gold, two silvers, one bronze at the Olympics, 11 world championship medals, 
set three world records in his career, tied with Gaetan Boucher for most Olympic medals won by a Canadian male speed skater, went to four Olympic Games from 2016 to 2028. Vancouver's Vosik Pospisil over in France at the uh, Sud de France Open, taking on Richard Gasquet, and he won this because he won the first set and Gasquet was injured and packed it in, so Pospisil is off to the semifinals against David Goffin. There are 12 teams in the Pacific Junior Hockey League, but really one of them appears to be in a league of its own. The North Vancouver Wolfpack are first in the league by 22 points over the second best team. Let's set the tone tonight, whether we see these guys or not again the rest of the season, let's really set the tone, playoff tempo. Let's be into it on the bench, be ready to go here, Blue, here we go. 40 wins, three losses. That sounds like the heavyweight champs record. Not a junior B hockey team from North Vancouver, but the North Van Wolfpack have knocked out the opposition this season on a nightly basis, literally counting the losses on one hand and piling up a league record 40 regular season wins with still one more game to come. It feels really good to have that record. I think we're, you know, it's a, and then also it, it puts our, our franchise a little bit on the map and as, as a place where players want to go play and we want to help develop them uh, wherever their goals are. If it's just to finish on a, on a good program and enjoy their last couple of years of junior hockey or if it's to go to the next level. Um, so we want to be a destination for players at this level for sure. Why are the Wolfpack so dominant? Well, a couple of reasons. They had a very good team last year that also won the league. And with most of that core returning, they added even more reinforcements. Captain Lucas Barker recruited his good buddy Lucas Wong, who previously played in the BCHL with Coquitlam. It's a totally different type of mentality because, you know, when I was in Coquitlam for the Express, like, we are a losing team. It's just the complete opposite, right? So... Um, it's, it's definitely interesting and it's, it's been really great to be a part of. You know, we have a really good leadership group, good coaching staff, and it just all ties together so well. So it's, uh, it's just an honor to be a part of it. For a lot of these guys, this will be their final year of competitive hockey before real life starts. So spending it playing with your friends, who just happen to be real good hockey players on a record-setting team, that's special. It's something that we can all share together and as we grow up together hopefully we stay nice and tight and then it's something that we can reminisce on and, and uh, yeah, no, I, I'm, it's, it's just so fun. It's so fun to be with your buddies and just doing the thing you love. I've never played on a team this tight. Um, it's, we've got a great group of boys, you know, we're all really good friends, there's no excluding guys. It's, it's just a big one group and like no matter what we do, right, everyone gets the invite and it really helps I find. The Wolfpack still have plenty of season left. They'll have to win three playoff rounds to repeat as league champions, and then they get another crack at the Provincials, where they finished third last year. I would trade not winning 40 games 100% for winning the, the, the league championship, but at the same time, I don't think it's going to I think it's going to be a record that people it's going to stand, and I don't think it's going to be broken uh, for the foreseeable future. Did I say 2028 Olympics? Yeah, you might have. I'm not a psychic. But I think Canada has a good chance in 2028, but they're going to 2020. Yeah. There, cool. Which is this year. Yes, okay. And good luck to the Wolfpack, boys. The Vancouver International Boat Show and Global News Hour at 6 invite you to enter for a chance to win this family fishing boat. Today's code word is DECK. Enter online. 
Here's your snow report for this evening. Two centimeters of fresh snow in Whistler Blackcomb, Grouse 4, Cypress 8, and Sasquatch 17. Manning Park picked up 20 centimeters of new snow, Revelstoke 3. Bernie and Kicking Horse, nothing new, but they should get some in the next 12 hours. Big White 11, Silver Star 3, Sun Peaks 3, and Apex is the winner today with 41 centimeters of fresh powder. Mount Washington 4 centimeters, Whitewater 2, Red Mountain 7, and Powder King, nothing new. Coming up on ET Canada, it is our star-studded preview of Sunday night's Oscars. Plus, we meet the director of Justin Bieber's docu-series. And yes, the bombshells even shocked him. That's all coming up at 7 right after the news hour. Back to Chris and Sophie. All right. Thanks very much, Cheryl. Well, let's clean up a few uh, Super Bowl commercials that we weren't able to show you on Monday or last Friday. The first one I'm going to show you is for Rocket Mortgage featuring Jason Momoa. I love that last name. It sounds like a drink. I'd like a Momoa, Momoa please. Momoa. Here we go. <laughs> What does home mean to me? It's my sanctuary. It's the one place I can let my guard down. It's where I can just kick back and be totally comfortable in my own skin. You know what I'm saying? Rocket Mortgage understands that home is where I can be myself. And that feels pretty darn good. Oh. Home is where you feel the most comfortable. And Rocket Mortgage helps you feel comfortable financing that home with a personalized and convenient experience centered around you. Rocket Mortgage. Push button. Get mortgage. Take it, take it, take it, take it, take it. Okay, all right. Good job. <laughs> that was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Is that Lisa yeah, Bonet? Yeah, his wife. Bonnie. Laugh all you want, but I've had that same problem. <laughs> uh, all right. These two are from uh, Reese's with the new chocolate bar and uh, State Farm. Yeah, I'm married. Doesn't matter. You do that for me? Really? Yeah, I'd like that. Who are you talking to? Uh, it's Jake from State Farm. Sounds like a really good deal. Jake from State Farm at 3 in the morning? Who is this? It's, it's Jake from State Farm. What are you wearing, Jake from State Farm? Uh, khakis? Hey, do they ever ask you what you're wearing? Uh, yeah. Red sweater, button-down shirt. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's that? Reese's Take 5 Bar. Chocolate, peanuts, caramel, peanut butter, pretzels. Never heard of it. Where have you been? Under a rock? New to me. <laughs> what, were you born yesterday? Raised by wolves? <laughs> Are you clueless? Hmm? Head in the sand? That's offensive, Trish. Yeah, Trish. You from another planet? <laughs> oh, Trish, none of us have heard of Take 5, so who looks stupid now? Reese's Take 5, the best bar you've never heard of. <laughs> See, she didn't even need to say that Some one. Good special effects <laughs> yeah, there. All right. Oh okay, so now the last two are old uh, Super Bowl commercials. One, I know, you'll love it. Avocados from Mexico. And Matt Damon and Mindy Kaling. Here we go. Next pick in the first draft ever. Australia selects the kangaroo. Yes. I like that pick. Get up, hops, jump, vertical. Brazil selects the sloth. Off the field issues. Mauritius selects the dodo bird. Ah, ah. Uh, Ooh. And Mexico selects 
The avocado. Great pick. Love it. Rich volcanic soil. Perfect weather. That'll make avocados from Mexico the ideal year-round snack. Avocados from Mexico. After years of being treated like she was invisible, it occurred to Mindy she might actually be invisible. Mindy was actually not invisible. Oh, excuse me. Can you see me? She had just always been treated that way. Yes, yes, ma'am. You don't want to kiss, just to make Absolutely sure. Absolutely not. No, I didn't want to kiss you either, Matt Damon, so. Join the nation that sees you as a priority. Nationwide is on your side. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> All right. Full year to another Super Bowl. There we go. That's awesome. That's good stuff. All right, so windy tonight and into tomorrow a little bit too, but sunshine? Uh, I'll just leave it to you. No, go. (laughs) No, kidding. No, the winds will ease off overnight, so not too bad tomorrow. Really nice day, actually. Wow, we might actually get some rugby in on the weekend, but don't forget Sunday, the Variety Show of Hearts Telethon. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't mean to say that.